So if you would stand with me this morning, this morning I want to preach a message entitled, It Takes a Vision. Everyone say, It Takes a Vision. Now, if you don't know me, if you never heard me speak before, I am one of those hollerback kind of preachers, so if you will help me out, I will help you out, and we will get to go eat lunch today, amen? If not, I will hold you hostage, and we will stay, and no, I'll just play it. So, I don't want to go to jail for holding you hostage, but anyhow, but uh, I am one of those kind of guys, and so, you know, if you will hang in there with me this morning, I believe that we can get out of here in a timely fashion, And uh, but most importantly, I want to leave when God says it's time to leave, amen? But I want to feed us on the word this morning before we go and feed our physical bodies. Exodus chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1. We'll go from Exodus chapter 3 to Exodus 24. It'll all be up on the screen. We've got a few passages of scripture this morning. It says, Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1 through 5, it says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock into the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, a story that we all have heard if you've been in church for any length of time. And so he looked and behold, Behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now, everyone say now. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your shoes off of your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. How many believe you're standing on holy ground this morning? Amen. I believe that we're on holy ground this morning. He says, And Moses said, I'll repeat this one more time, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Remember, we're talking about vision this morning. I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from in the midst of the bush and said, here I am. Exodus chapter number 24, verse 16 through 18 tells us, it says, now the glory of the Lord rested upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called the Moses out of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. I'm going to say 40 days. For 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus 28 and then Exodus 29 and then you'll be able to be seated. Exodus 28 verse 41 and it tells us this. It says, so you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint. Everyone say them. And you shall consecrate. And you shall consecrate. And you shall sanctify that they may minister to me as priests. Exodus 29 tells us this. It says, And you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. His and him. His and him. From them to his and him. From them to him. I'm going to say from them to him. From them to him. Link to your neighbor say it takes a vision. Father, tonight, this morning, I thank you, God, for being in your presence. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you for the pastor of this church, the leadership of this church. God, I thank you, God, for this worship team that has led us into your throne room on this Sunday morning. And God, I thank you, God, for the privilege and honor, God, to be able to stand behind this sacred desk at this moment, at this time, and this hour. God, you said in your word, behold, now I will do a new thing. And I believe that we are living in that 
not now time. You didn't say tomorrow. You didn't say next week. You didn't say next year. You didn't say next month. God, you said now I will do a new thing. And so, God, in this place on this Sunday morning, God, and for this Sunday night service, God, I pray that you will begin a new thing within Sanctuary Family Worship Center. God, I've come, God, as your servant this morning, God. I humbly submit myself to you, God, as your vessel, God. And I ask, Lord, that you would take your anointing, and God, you would place it upon my head, God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, God. May every word that comes from these lips of clay, God, be straight from your throne room. God, lift me up above my talents, lift me up above my abilities, God, and let your people be challenged and changed through your word on this Sunday morning. If you believe that, would you shout amen as you are seated this morning? Amen. I believe that God wants to take sanctuary worship to a place that you've never been before. Now, if you showed up on this Sunday morning and you said, I've just come for another normal service. I just want to go through the normal routines. I just want to do what we always do. I just, I just want to come and, and listen to a little bit of worship. And I, I want to hear someone preach a little bit of a word. And I want to go and get a little something to eat and, and maybe even come back on Sunday night. You know, statistic actually tells us that that actually that you will only attend church one Sunday out of six weeks. That's what statistic is across the nation within our churches, that people who show up on a Sunday morning, that 80% of them only show up once every six weeks. Can I tell you something this morning? That If the only time you ever show up in the presence of God is once every six weeks, then you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because anytime you have a relationship with someone, you will do any anything and everything to be in their presence every moment, every opportunity that you get. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you've been in a relationship with a husband or a wife or a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, you understand and you know that no matter what it takes, you will do whatever it takes to be in their presence. And can I tell us on this Sunday morning that more than a boyfriend, more than a girlfriend, more than a husband, or more than a wife, God wants us to be in His presence, to have a relationship with Him every single day. I come this Sunday morning because I believe that God is wanting to take sanctuary worship from the natural into the supernatural. I believe that God is wanting to take some of you that are willing to go to a place that only very few get to go. I I travel around, I go to many different churches, and can I tell you that not every single church has the anointing and the Spirit of God in it. Amen. So you need to understand that what you have here is something special. What you have here is something that you need to take care of. What you have here is something that you need to honor. You have the presence and the power and the anointing of God. It's not based upon a man. It's not based upon a leadership. It's not based upon a deacon board. It's not based upon any of those things. It is based upon the simple fact that there are people who come together, who have a vision to come together on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, and every other time in between to come and get in the presence of God. Amen. And I don't know about you, but more than ever in these last days that I'm living in and we are living in, I don't want to live in the natural. I, I want to be able to step into the supernatural. I, I want to see the blinded eyes open. I want to see the deaf ears opened up. I, I want to see the, the lame begin to walk. I want to see when people come in with cancer. I want to see that it falls off right there in the midst of the congregation. I want to see the miracle working of God. But can I tell us on this Sunday? 
Sunday morning that that kind of anointing, that kind of vision comes with a cost. And we have to be willing to pay the cost. And my question to us here on this Sunday morning is, is there anyone here that's ready to step from the natural into the supernatural? Are you ready to to do what it takes to to lead yourself and to lead others from just going through the routine of church, from from just being this kind of of an atmosphere, to to stepping into a place to where you come with such expectation that you don't have a clue how God is going to move. You don't have a clue what He's going to do. To where when you leave out of here every single service, you leave astonished at the things that science cannot even prove, that science can't even say that you leave so astonished at the things that God wants to do. I believe that you are that kind of church. And this morning I want us to understand that it takes a vision for us to get there. It takes the anointing for us to get there. But can I tell you this morning that there comes a high cost with the anointing. Amen. There comes a high cost with the anointing. I have people who will come up after services and you have those phenomenal, phenomenal services to where God just moves in such a supernatural way and like doing different things. And they come up and they say, Pastor Lee, man, lay your hands on me and, and pray the, the, the impartation of the anointing upon my life. I, I want the anointing like what you have on my life. And number one, I tell them, number one, it's not my anointing. It's only borrowed. It comes straight from him. So if you want the anointing, you got to talk to him. Number two, I tell them is this, is that there comes a cost. There comes a price that has to be paid for the anointing and you don't know what I've been through you don't know where I've been you don't know the things I've seen you don't know the the attacks that the enemies come to receive the anointing you don't you don't know what your pastor's been through you don't know what your youth pastor's been through you don't know what sister Evelyn's been through to receive the anointing that's upon their life but can I tell you something this morning that the greatest thing upon my life that I cherish so deeply is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God first my salvation, but I cherish the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And if you were to ask me, Lee, was it worth it going through? Is it worth it going through some of the things you've been through? I will buckle down and I'll tell you that it is worth every ounce of every fight, of every battle that I've ever been through. No matter when times that I felt defeated, it's worth it. But can I tell you this morning that you must have a vision to get there. You must have something. you got to stay focused in your walk with God. I want to turn our attention back to where we first began to read in Exodus chapter number 3. We read in Exodus chapter 3 of a man by the name of Moses. Everyone say Moses. We read where Moses has been on the backside of the desert. He's been on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And on the backside of the desert for 40 years, he was there after having killed a man and placed him in the sand and, and fled to the backside of the desert. On the backside of the desert, there he is. And one day as he's tending to the sheep, he walks by this bush. And this bush just catches on fire. It is burning and it's not consumed. It is on fire, but it's not consumed. It is on fire, but it's not consumed. And in this moment as he passes by it catches his attention and the word of God says and he turned aside everyone say turned aside he turned 
aside. Can I tell us first and foremost this morning that whenever God gives us a vision or when God gives us a dream, we have to turn aside. We got to turn and face that vision. We got to turn and face that dream that he's given to us. I think of a man in the Bible that we've all heard a story of by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph was of 12 brothers and, and Joseph was one that he was a mama's boy. He was loved so much by his mama and, and his daddy that so much that they made him a special coat, a coat of many colors. Now, Joseph, at a young age, he had a dream. He had a vision. And in that dream, in that vision, he stands before his brothers and he says, I see 12 sheaves as they all bow down to me. Sheaves that are things of grain that are bowing down to me. It was symbolic of his brothers that were bowing down to him. And then he has another dream that says that he says, I see the stars, the moon, and the galaxy, and everything, all the world that is bowing down to me. And his brothers got angry with him because of the dream that he had. Can I tell us this morning that sometimes the vision that God gives you, sometimes the dream that God gives you, that everyone else isn't always going to be on board, but you're going to pick up some haters along the way. But I've learned in my walk with God that it's time that we allow our haters to be our elevators. Amen? That we allow the ones who hate us, the ones who come against us to uplift us. I've learned and I've understood trials and tribulations and that every attack that the enemy has come against my life that I have learned to take those attacks and I can either let them take me down or I can use them to propel me deeper into the things of God and to greater things in God. Amen. And I believe that that's what exactly what God is wanting to do here at Sanctuary Worship because can I tell you something? Not everyone in this community is going to get on board with the dream and the vision that you have. Amen. Not everyone in this church is going to get on board with the vision or the dream that you have. Amen. But I've learned a long time ago too that whether you go with me or you choose to stay behind, I'm going after wherever Jesus is going. Amen. I don't care if you choose to stay behind. I've got a vision. I've got a dream and you can try to hinder me. You can try to stop me, but I understand that the word of God says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So you're not going to stop me. You're not going to stop what God is trying to accomplish. Amen. And Joseph was in this state, and he had this dream, and he goes out to his brothers. And when he goes out towards his brothers, he has this vision, and they hate him. And he goes out there to take them some, some, something to drink and something to eat. And along the way, they see him coming. And along the path of seeing him coming, they plan this plot, and they say, let's put him, let's kill him, let's do something with him. We, we, we're tired of, of him having all these dreams. We're tired of him thinking he's above us, and all these different things. We're tired of this, and, and, and we, we don't want that. So let's Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. But his brother Reuben, everyone ought to be thankful for a brother named Reuben. Amen. Reuben says, you know what? Let's don't kill him. Let's dig a pit and let's put him in a pit. So they dig a pit and they put him in a pit. Can I tell you something this morning? That you may have a dream and you may have a vision. You may have something that God is trying to show and take you to. And sometimes those dreams and those visions don't always seem like they're coming to pass. Amen. Amen. There, you, you'll find out where Abraham and all of them had dreams of, uh, of years to have a kid and all these different things. It took years of pressing through. It took years of getting there, but they never lost sight of the dream, and the vision that God had given them. But in the pit, can I tell you what the pit stands for? Amen. The pit stands for a prophet in training. You will find yourself in moments of life to where it seems like your pit is going to take you out. But understand in those pits that God is working something on the inside of you to get you to a place of understanding and experiencing the anointing in a way and a fashion that 
you've never experienced before. So they sell them from the pit to a, to a, 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 to some Ishmaelites and they take them out. And long story short, they go and he goes to Potiphar's house and he's in Potiphar's house. He's accused of sleeping with, with Potiphar's wife. She has his coat in his hand. It looks pretty bad. All these things are going on. Then he finds himself in a prison from the pit to the prison. I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself to where God has spoken a vision? He has given you a dream, but it did not seem like it was going to come to pass. It seemed like every obstacle in hell was coming against you to stop you, to defeat you, and hinder you. But I am thankful for a, for a posture and a perspective of understanding that God is faithful no matter what we face. Amen? He is faithful to get us through everything that we face. And in this moment that he is placed in the prison, he meets up with a butler and a baker, and they both have dreams. The butler has a dream that there, there is a branch and, and from this branch, there's this vine and from this vine there are three branches and some grapes come off of it. And long story short, and the, 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 the baker has this dream that there are some baskets on his head and, and there's some bread and there are some birds come and they, they take the, ba- the, the, the bread away from it and, and he says, you interpret these dreams for me. Can I tell you something here too? There are moments in your life that where God gives you a dream and God gives you a vision and it doesn't seem like it's coming to pass, but in those kind of moments that it seems like your dream is not coming to pass God wants to see are you willing to help others dreams come to pass amen are you willing to invest in the someone else's dream even when yours seems like everything's under attack even it seems like the enemy's trying to take you down are you still willing to invest into other people because you see I believe very firmly as a youth pastor as an evangelist I believe in investing into other people and seeing other people excel greater than I could ever dream to excel. I I don't get inferior about that. I'm not one of these that that I want to be above anyone else. I'm one of these that let's advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's let's advance the kingdom of God. Let's tear down the gates of hell and let's see souls saved for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That's what our goal, that's what our purpose is. But he gives these dreams and from those dreams he sits in the prison for another two years and not understanding, thinking that he is thinking that everyone else has given up on him. And for those two years, then Pharaoh comes with a dream. And long story short, you will find to where Joseph, who has went from, from a dream to the pit, to the prison, then to the palace. He is then promoted to the place. Can I tell someone on this Sunday morning that I don't care how long you've been holding on to a dream. I don't care how long you've been holding on to a vision. God will see it come to pass. If you've told you that your kids are going to be saved, if he's told you that your grandkids are going to be saved, if he's told you that your parents are going to be saved, or your grandparents are going to be saved, don't you dare give up on the dreams and the vision that God has given you. Amen? So we find in Exodus chapter number 3 to where Moses is on the back side of the desert and he sees this bush that catches on fire. And God begins to speak to him and gives him a vision And as he's speaking to him, he he talks to him and he says, I have my people that I want to see set free. I've called you, Moses, to go lead my people out of bondage, out of slavery. Are you with me this morning? And so he begins this journey from having received this vision. Then they go, and we all know the story, long story short, as they go through the plays, go through all this kind of stuff, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, all this kind of stuff. 
stuff's going on. So eventually Pharaoh lets his people go, and then all the armies of the Israelites are drowned in the sea. Amen? And in this moment, as they drown across the sea, they get to the other side, and along the way, a few years down the road, then it says in Exodus chapter number 24, it says that God takes Moses up to a mountaintop. And on this mountaintop, it says that God begins to keep them there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, some people believe that this is the moment to where God was giving him the the, the Ten Commandments, and it took 40 days and 40 nights for God to write the Ten Commandments. Can I tell you something? If it takes God 40 days and 40 nights to write the Ten Commandments, he's pretty slow. Are you with me? But I don't believe that God who wrote... Who, who spoke forth creation in an instant, who spoke forth this world in an instant, who spoke forth stars and galaxies in an instant, that it took 40 days and 40 nights for him to write the Ten Commandments. Amen? But in these 40 days and 40 nights, you will see to where another vision was being given to Moses as he was giving him direct directions of how to build the wilderness tabernacle. Specific directions as how to build the wilderness tabernacle. Now stay with me this morning. We're talking about having a vision for the anointing and stepping into the supernatural. Amen. And he begins to give him these specific things. Now, it, it's, it's one of these things that, that I, I notice. I don't know if you've ever noticed before, but, but it, it's not ironic. It's just the way God works that the first time he spoke to Moses was with a burning bush. It was with fire, right? The second time he speaks with him, it says he went up in a cloud. Are you with me? What was it that led the children of Israel around in the wilderness for 40 years? It was a cloud by day and a fire by night. It was the two things that God used and he related. He kept it relational with them. He kept it close to them. Something that they understood. Something that they saw. Something that they knew. But here's the problem. There are so many times that when we try to step from the natural into the supernatural and try to pursue the dream that God has for us, that we're like Moses and the children of Israel, that for so long they chose to be happy with just getting their breakthrough, with just getting set free. And the problem with churches around the United States and around the the world today is that, or with Christians, I should say, around the nation today and around the world today, is we become so comfortable with just let me come and get my little blessing, and when I get my little blessing, I will settle there. You ever seen people like that? That just come in, they get set free, and then the moment that they get set free, they just, this is nice. Are you with me this morning? But I don't believe that the God who saved you and delivered you, I don't believe that he saved you and delivered you just for you to become comfortable with just being set free. That's why it took Moses going up for 40 days and 40 nights to receive another vision from God of how to step into the supernatural. Are you with me this morning? And as he goes up, now I need you to stay with me because I know I've been talking very fast, but I need you to stay with me because it's probably just going to get faster. So I'm sorry. As he begins to speak to Moses, he begins to give him a clear vision. 
He begins to teach him all these things. And, and if you recall the two verses that we read, it says that he's giving him instructions in chapter number 28. He says, anoint them. Everyone say them. Anoint them. And then in Exodus chapter number 29, he says, anoint him. Everyone say him. So you see an anointing that is for them, and then you see an anointing that is for him. Now, again, we're talking about having a vision to step into the supernatural. An anointing that is for them, and then an anointing that is for him. What you must understand is that the wilderness tabernacle was made up of three parts. The outer courts, the inner courts, and the holy of holies. The outer courts was filled with natural light. The inner courts had a candlestick in it, which was filled with natural light. But when you stepped foot into the holy of holies, there was nothing natural about it. But everything on the inside of the holy holies came from supernatural powers from God. Are you with me this morning? So you must understand also that as Scripture tells us that there was an anointing for them, there was also an anointing for him. What it means by that is this, is that from the outer courts to the inner courts, there were many people, the them, who were anointed to go into the outer courts and anointed to go into the inner courts. But there was only one who was anointed to go into the Holy of Holies. Are you with me this morning? There was only one who was anointed to go into the Holy of Holies. And I don't know about you. I've been in church all my life. But I don't want to stay in just the outer courts. I don't want to just stay in the inner courts. But I want to be a man and a people who are willing and able to step into the Holy of Holies. Are you with me this morning? But it takes a special anointing because those that were just anointed for them weren't able to enter in the anointing that was for him. Are you with me this morning? But we all know that Jesus came and he rent the veil in two so that all of us have access. Amen? But there is a price that comes with that. Now, when you understand as the, the, the directions that were given, as it's talking about the anointing, it says, anoint their head. Have you ever thought about why it takes the anointing upon the head? Why is it that, that he says, anoint their head? Now, when it says anoint that head, we always think, and we just think that he gets a little bit of anointing oil, and he just dabs it on his head. But you must understand that when they anointed a priest's head, that they took six quarts Six quarts of oil and poured over him. Now this morning when you come down for prayer, how many of you would think that I'm pretty crazy if I brought out six quarts of oil and just poured it over your head? Amen? You got my clothes messed up. You, you messed the carpet up. You messed this up. You messed that up. But the price must be paid to step into. Amen? There were six quarts of oil that was anointed upon the head. There's another little nugget here that you must understand as well. That whenever a shepherd was tending to his flock and he was out tending to his sheep, that they would take the oil and they would place upon the head of the sheep. Now why did they take the oil and place upon the head of the sheep? They would take the oil and place it upon the head of the sheep because there were flies there were these worms that would get into a sheep's head and they began to play with his mind. And when they began to get in his head and play with his mind and aggravate him, the sheep would go and butt his head up against a tree until he killed himself. You ain't following where I'm going yet this morning. 
That's why it is so important for us to have the anointing upon our life. Because the number one place that the enemy plays with us is within our mind. The battlefield is always in our mind. But when we get underneath the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we allow him, as David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul for he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What's the next part? He says, you anoint my head with oil so much so that my cup runs over. I believe that if we want to keep our mind right, if we want to keep our vision right, if we want to keep everything going right in our life, that we need the anointing poured out upon our life and upon our head. The reason why you see so many people that are dealing with drugs and addictions and alcohol and all those things and dealing with suicidal thoughts in their mind, it is because they have not received the anointing upon their head. That's why it's so important for you as parents to go through your house and take an oil. It doesn't have to be special oil, but pray over that oil and pray over your house and get your kids up and anoint them with oil and say, you know what? Your mind is covered by the helmet of salvation. Nothing's going to come in. Nothing's going to take you. I anoint you. The enemy will not have you. Amen. It takes the anointing. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Oh, we ain't even close to this. Anoints the head. Well, I might as well just go there because God's leading me there. You ever studied the story of Mary Magdalene? And we hear it preached that she anoints his feet, right? And dries with her hair. So how we ever heard it preached, right? Let me tell you something that rocked my world a few weeks ago as I was studying all this. You ever read it in the other two Gospels? It's found in three Gospels. The same story. Different perspective. You ever read it in the other two per- Gospels? Do you notice that in the other two Gospels it never even mentions that she anoints his feet? What does it say? It says that she poured it upon his head. And I asked God, I said, now, now this is just my opinion, so just stay with me for a little while. I'm going to let's got the microphone, and Pastor Heath, he'll call me. So I thought, I said, God, we hear it preached all the time that, man, she anointed his feet. She dried it with her hair. But I ain't ever heard it preached that she took the oil and just poured it over his head. I said, why is it that two other writers mention only that he was anointed on his head and don't even say anything about being anointed on his feet. Why is it that that's the only thing that is mentioned? They don't even mention his feet. In math, two's greater than one, right? So, so I began to think, I said, apparently, who knows about modern day math, but apparently there's something special about this. And then I began to study that before the priest, the high priest could ever step into the Holy of Holies, he had to be anointed, right? And there are only two times in the Scripture where you will find where Jesus was anointed, both by Mary, two different Marys, Mary Magdalene and then Mary, the other Mary. But there was only one time 
to where you read in those two times to where he was anointed on the head. Are you with me? And I said, could it be that Jesus fulfilling every law, the Levitical law of what it took to be the high priest, could it be that him knowing that he was about to go and give his life on Calvary, that he was about to make access for you and I, that he knew that someone, this woman by the name of Mary Magdalene, caught a vision, and she saw something that no one else saw. And she saw that before Jesus, you can step in there, there has to be an anointing that's placed upon your head so that you can step in. Now, we must understand that he was the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Son of God. He didn't have to have that, but he was willing to fulfill every single thing that had to be had or done in order for someone to step in there. And it was just shortly after that that he went and gave his life. And we know the scripture that it says from that anointing that he then stepped right in front of the veil. He ripped it in two and he walked in and he said, now each and every one of you have access because of the anointing. It's my personal opinion. Like it? Whatever? I really don't care. I like it, so that's good. A vision that is given. I gotta get through this in 10 minutes. Lord, help me. As he's up on the mountaintop for 40 days, 40 nights, he begins to give him a vision, and the first thing that he begins to tell him as they're setting up the tabernacle, he tells them, he says, there, there must be something that takes place. Every time that you pick up and every time that you move, The first thing that has to be done is the tabernacle has to be set up. Follow me for just a little while. The tabernacle has to be set up. Before you set your home up, before you set your tents up, before you do anything else, the tabernacle must be set up. He was setting a standard for us to understand that God has to be first in our life. Amen? He says, and not even furthermore than that, that whenever the tribes, there were 12 tribes that were set up around the tabernacle, that when they were set up surrounding three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, and three on the west, that whenever they would set up on the north, south, east, and the west, so much so surrounded about the tabernacle had to be first, they also had to have their doors of their tents that opened up towards the tabernacle. That where every single morning when they got up and walked out, that they saw the presence of God. You want to know what's wrong in America today? You want to know what's wrong in America today? Is that Jesus, God, is no longer first. And so many homes across the United States, Jesus and God is no longer first. And we come to God and we say, God, would you help me out with this situation? Would you help me out with that situation? And God is saying, if you'll get the first priority right, then I can help you out with the other priorities. But until you get the first priority right, you ain't helping me none this morning, so I might as well keep on going on. The camp had to be set up first. There were 12 tribes. The Word of God says, seek you first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything else will be added unto you. You had to keep God first in your life, first in your family. Then you must understand along the 12 tribes, at the entrance to go into the wilderness tabernacle, there was a special tribe. There were two tribes that were there. There's three, but two special tribes. The Levitical tribe was there for ease of access for the priests to be able to go in and out, all right? So hang with me. But there was another tribe that was there that camped out at the gate and at the entrance to go into the tabernacle. Did anyone know what tribe that was? The tribe of Judah. 
the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah is the tribe of praise. It is the, the tribe of ta-da. You can, you can, toda, whatever you want to pronounce it. Ta-da, toda, whatever. It is, it's Greek, all right? So, so you can do that. But when you study that and understand that, Judah means praise. Judah means giving thanks to God for everything that he has done. I don't know if you're ready for this, but we're going to go there. Psalms chapter number 100, verse 4 says this. It says, enter into his gates with what? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, but enter into his, his what? His courts with praise. You must understand there was an outer court, an inner court, and the holy of holies. But before you could ever step into the first court, before you could ever go to the second court, you had to enter in through the tribe of praise. There is absolutely no way that you can enter into the courts of God. There is absolutely no way that you can enter into the supernatural. There is absolutely no way that you can get into the presence of God without first going through the tribe of praise. And I don't know about you, but that is why the enemy fights so hard your praise and your worship. That is why when you come into a service like you came into this Sunday morning, that he will fight you and he will tell you, just keep your hands down. Don't step out. Don't open your mouth. Don't do anything because he understands that if you never open your mouth, if you never lift your hands, if you never enter in through praise, then you will never be able to enter into the supernatural. But I come on this Sunday morning because I believe that there is a church here at Sanctuary Worship that is willing to say, you know what? We want to enter into his courts. And David said we enter into his gates with thanksgiving because the city was always surrounded with gates. And you had to go in through a gate. And then once you walk through the city, you walk through the city saying, thank you, Lord, for your protection. God, thank you for, for your provision. God, thank you, God, that the tornado didn't kill me. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for this. But then when you want to step into the courts, he says that you you got to step in with praise. God, I've come to praise you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. God, God, you, you don't have to do another thing for me, but God, I understand for me to get from here to there, I've got to praise you. So God, I don't care what else is going on in my life. I'm going to praise you. The word of God says praise is also translated that there are many different versions of praise, that there is one way that you, it says that you can shabak your way in. Now, can I tell someone this morning that your mama can't get you in the presence of God. Your daddy can't get you in the presence of God. Your, your grandmother can't get you in the presence of God. Your priest, your pastor, your elders in your church, they can't get you in the presence of God. No one else can get you in the presence of God. Buddha can't get you in the presence of God. Mohammed can't get you in the presence of God. The Baptist can't get you in. The assembly God can't get you in. The legislate can't get you in. You can't command your way in and you can't program your way in but you can shabak your way in and you can praise your way in and you can say God I don't know what else to do but God I'm just going to praise you anyhow because I know that when I begin to praise you my help begins to come on and when I begin to praise you I begin to take one step closer to the supernatural praise say well Pastor Lee they didn't sing my song this morning so I couldn't worship I couldn't praise let me help you out just a little bit. It ain't never been your song anyhow. 
Because worship ain't ever been about you. It's always been about Him. And when you think worship is about you and you can only worship when it makes you feel good, you're in the wrong place this morning because you got to understand that there are moments in time that you ain't going to feel good and you aren't going to feel good and you can use whatever grammar you want to use, but you ain't going to feel good and you're not going to feel like you're going to be able to make it. But I can tell you from experience that when you're in the midst of the fire like the three Hebrew boys and you feel like everything's going down the drain and you feel like your help is nowhere there. When you lift your hands up and you say, God, you called us here, you anointed us here, and you brought us here, and you're going to see us through. Can I tell you when you do that and you begin to praise, the Word of God says that there was a fourth man that showed up in the midst of them. And can I tell you something? It's not about other people seeing you in the midst of what you're going through. It's about when other people see Jesus in the midst of what you're going through. That's when lives are changed. It's never been about you, nor will it ever be about you. I'm glad you already took up the offering. Because you see, there are times that you got to be willing to push your way in, to praise your way in. You ever been lonely before? You ever felt like people walked out on you before? You got to praise in the lonely times. You got to praise in the bad times. You got to praise in the good times. Because the reason that you made it through what you've made it through is because of Him. My sister with the tornado, when she said she went out and looked at that, the porch was gone, and she just began to thank Him for, for saving her life. You want to know why? Because she understands that in order to get into the supernatural, there's got to be a praise. You must also understand that not only was Judah the place you had to go through to get into the wilderness tabernacle, but Judah was also the ones who led them around in the wilderness. Judah was the one that when every battle was to be fought, that Judah was the first ones to go out. Why? Because in every battle that you and I face, we got to understand that Judah and praise is the only way we're going to make it through. That's the only way victory is ever going to happen. I ain't got time to go there. We might go there tonight. From, from there, you will see that you had to go through Judah to even enter in. When you began to enter in, you will see that there was a curtain, a white linen curtain that was all the way around the wilderness tabernacle. In the center on one of the ends, there was a gate. That gate was 30 feet wide. It was the only place on the outside that was colorful. It was a gate of beauty. It was a gate that was there signifying and symbolizing Jesus Christ. Of us understanding when Jesus said in the scripture, I am the door. I am the way. I am the life and I am the truth. There is no other way that anyone shall enter in except by me. He didn't say that there were multiple doors. He didn't say that there's any other way. He said, I am the way. I am the way. There is only one door. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what religions across the world may tell you, there is still only one way to enter into the presence of God. And it is through a man called Jesus Christ. Amen. 30 feet wide, they began to enter in. Once you entered in past that gate, you will go to a place that was called the altar. At the altar, there was the place where the blood sacrifice was given. It has always been about the blood. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve until now, it has always been about the blood. And and then for the blood, you will find yourself who goes to a a, a place that's called the laver. Everyone say the laver. 
The laver was, was a, a, a bowl that was made out of mirrors. And when you looked into it, you saw a reflection. And, and that bowl was filled with water because the Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it tells us that we have to be washed by the Word. We have to be washed by the Word. We, we can never put the laver before the altar. Too many times we want people to get their act right and get cleaned up before they ever come to church. But can I tell you something? God always placed the altar before he ever told you to get your life cleaned up because we have to understand that God is the only one who can clean us up. Amen? I'm getting there. Stay with me for just a little bit. I know it's two minutes still. Then from there, you will enter into the inner court. Within the inner court, you had the bread stand, you had the candlestick, and you had an altar of incense. The, the bread stood for the love for the word. Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. The love for the word. The candlestick as they would come in and trim it and place the oil in it to keep it burning was signifying the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? That there is always, when you become anointed to do something, there will always come a war and a fight against you. Amen? I'm not here to preach something that's going to say that your life's going to be a bed of roses from this day forward. What I'm saying is, is that whenever you begin to get anointed and you get a vision to step into it, then the enemy places a target upon your head. But can I tell you something this morning as well, that you got the anointment before you ever got the appointment. That God called you to it. He anointed you to it and he's going to see you through it. The candlestick is the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll find yourself to a place of the altar of incense. And we make our way all the way up to this place. And to this place up until this point, everyone who was anointed had access. But then you reach the place of the altar of incense to where there was only one that was about to receive a special anointing. And at the altar of incense, the word of God says that they took, I think it was three elements. And those three elements, they would stir up together and they would mix those elements together and place them on the altar of incense as a form of worship. Where everyone say worship? As a form of worship. Can I tell you there is a difference between praise and a difference between worship? But there is always an order because you can praise God. Without worshiping God. Because the word of God says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But there is also another realm that you can step into through worship. That's why it's important for you to understand that it's not just about the fast songs that hype you up and make you feel good. That's the praise songs. But it's about the intimate relationship of a worship. And you see, there were three different elements that the high priest would place upon the altar of incense. And it doesn't say that he would just place one on and then place a second one on and then place a third one on. It says that he took those three elements and he began to stir them up. I don't know about you but when you enter into worship there is something that begins to stir up on the inside of you there is something supernatural that begins to take place because you notice yourself stepping out of your situations and your circumstances and begin to step into a place of peace a place of joy a place of understanding that I am now in the presence of God and the word tells us that as the priest would come up and 
he would place those elements on there. That it says that as he placed those elements on there, that he removed the crown from his head. He removed the breastplate with all the jewels from his body. He removed the ephod. He removed his garments. And it says that he would strip all the way down to his undergarments. And he, in that moment, would begin to worship like he's never worshipped before. Could it be that that's the very reason when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the city that he danced before the Lord praising God with all of his might until he was down to his undergarments. Because when you get to step into the supernatural, you have to reach a place to where it's no longer about you or your position or your posture. It is always about him. So the king would always remove his things and the high priest would remove every garment from his body and he would stand there and as he's standing there before the veil he would stand there with incense going up towards heaven and it says that they would take fresh oil and they would pour over his head and they would rub his body down and they would saturate him before he stepped into the holy of holies and I'm not here to debate with you on any way of how the high priest ever made it into the holy of holies because the word of God tells us that it took 12 oxen to move the veil and if it took 12 oxen to move the veil I don't think any one man is going to be able to lift it up and go through it but I believe that that God supernaturally transferred him into the next dimension and can I tell us here on this Sunday morning that when we enter from a state of praise and we go to the altar and we go past the laver and allow the word to wash us and then we go in with a passion and a love for the word the table of showbread and we go over to the candlestick and we light the candlestick symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit upon our life and then we step foot before the altar of incense in a form of worship and we get down on our knees and we bow down before the king and we say God I don't care about the rest of my life God I don't care about my circumstances I don't care about my situations God I've got a vision from you and I've got a dream from you and I want to pay the price for the anointing because God I want to step into the supernatural I want to step into the place that you have called me to be this morning I've come to challenge you here at sanctuary worship that God I believe wants to take one your praise to another level number two I believe he wants to take your worship to another level the reason why I say that he wants to do that is because I believe he wants to begin to perform things within the supernatural not in Africa not in Australia not overseas in a foreign country I believe right here in Gina Louisiana he wants to use sanctuary family worship center a place for the hurting a place for the broken a place for those that need saving a place for those that no one else wants he wants to use you 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 but it's only going to come when you enter into a place of praise and you enter into a posture of worship and you say God I want the supernatural I want the supernatural let me tell you one last thing of a vision a vision that God gave to John Revelation 21 1 through 7 and he says this is the power of a vision now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Worship team, would you go ahead and please come for just the next few minutes. Also, there was no more sea. Then I saw John, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Catch this. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, for they are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. A vision. God gave Moses a vision. God gave Samuel a vision. God gave Joseph a vision. God gave Nathan a vision. God gave David a vision. God gave John the Revelator a vision. And God's given sanctuary worship a vision. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. God's given you a vision. And this morning, if I could challenge you with anything, it would be hold on to the vision. And not just hold on to it, but begin to step towards the supernatural. Because everywhere that I go, one of the number one challenges in churches is through praise and worship. Because that's the area the enemy attacks most. Because he knows if he can stop your praise and he can stop your worship, he can stop the supernatural. Or hinder it, I should say. But this morning, there are some that are in this place that your worship life and your praise life has been almost non-existent. There are some that are in this place that because of circumstances, because of other things, your focus has been upon those things and God is saying, just worship me and watch what I do. Just praise me and watch what I do. Look, you're looking at a guy who knows what it's like to be in the midst of the fire. But you're also looking at a guy who also knows what it's like that in the midst of the fire, God, I can't do this, but you can. I can't do this, but you can. And there may even be some of you that are here this morning that you would say, you know what, Pastor Lee, man, I'm missing the whole point. I haven't even entered in through the gate yet. I don't even know Jesus. I haven't made it to the altar yet. I haven't made it to the labor to be washed by the word and be cleansed. Can I tell you that today is the day? Today is the day. Because today is the day of salvation. And God wants you. Out of everything in this world, it amazes me. That he says that he is seeking 
true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, Miss Evelyn. And if you're looking for something, it means that it's hard to be found. Right? You don't go looking for anything that's just there in your face. It's there. He says, I'm looking, I'm seeking those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. And today I want you to know that God is looking at this church and He's saying, will you worship me? Will you step into the supernatural? I've already came and torn the veil for you to step in. You just got to step in. It comes through praise. It comes through worship. It comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor Lee, man, my life isn't right with God, and there are things in life that I'm struggling with, and I don't even know this morning if I'm saved. If I was to die right now, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. I don't know where I'd spend eternity yet. That's, that's the number one focus this morning. Say, Pastor Lee, that's me. Would you simply pray for me? Because I want to make heaven my home. I want to make Jesus my Lord. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning? If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are.